1: Hello and welcome to On the Farm Pitcher List podcast about all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. I'm your host Lamar Gibson, and I'm your host Jake Mache. And as playoffs are coming uh, close for many fantasy leagues, uh, the rookie leagues, and DSL, pretty much are done. They're in their they're in their own playoff modes. As uh, by the time you guys are hearing this, uh, but uh, the teams that haven't made it. To their championship games uh, are, are done for the season so it seems like a good time to look at some lower minors guys that may have been overlooked with all the accelerated movement that we've seen um, you may have missed out on on some low a and even high a guys that are you know bringing some potential value so today we'll be focusing on hitters and pitchers who are below the double a level currently that we feel have some dynasty value and may not have gotten much national spotlight this season. Uh, Before getting into that, of course, we want to talk this week in baseball, which is pretty abbreviated. Um, The big thing is Kyle Harrison's debut. We talked about it on last episode, uh, you know, in in preparation of, and now it is in the past tense. Um, Jake, I know we actually were supposed to talk through Kyle Harrison, and I completely blew past uh, giving you time to talk about Kyle. So now after the start, um, I will open up the floor, let you say your piece about kyle harrison yeah um so i
2: was keeping tabs on him pretty much throughout the season and it was like really really bad for a while with with the command i mean he was carrying like a a walk rate north of 20 percent for for like a, a long time um and he just wasn't he wasn't able to go deep in games he has to uh, never once in the minors did he face more than 18 hitter or 19 hitters in a start um and the longest he went was five innings and that only happened once um so he was yeah he was just like huge pitch counts wasn't going deep ton of walks um but the strikeout numbers were always still good like he's always been a good you know swing and miss swing and miss guy this stuff's never been in question it's just like the the command really hurt him um and he actually went and kind of took a break in early July. His last start in July was on July 4th. And then he went down to the complex league, just like worked with, with the coaching staff and, and just tried to like, I think reset a bit. Um, and cause like he would have a, a one start where he had one walker or, or no walks. And then he would go back to having three, four five. And then, a couple like a month after that, he'd have a start where it looked better, and then he kept regressing. Right, so I think he went down, worked on it a lot, and then he came back up. His first start in AAA again was on August fifth, so a full month um, of just kind of like working on it. And the first start, he had four walks and in, in two innings, and it was like, oh man, like uh, like what was he like what was he doing? But then then he went uh, in his next two starts, seven point one innings combined, no walks, eleven strikeouts. And I think that, that that was enough, I think, for for the Giants to see like a consistent lack of walks um, across two starts. Again, there were still short starts, uh, 3.1 innings with 12 batters faced and then four with 18. Um, and, you know, it's – he showed out in his, in his MLB debut. You know, he still has the, the stuff that's always gotten him, the strikeout rates, and um, he actually um, – uh, how many walks did he have, Lamar? Do you know off the top of your head? One. Okay, one yeah, walk. I was going to say I'm trying to pull it up right now. No, no problem. Um, yeah, so we had, he had one walk in his MLB debut, five strikeouts. Um, and I know, Lamar, you actually watched it, so I'll let you do your your breakdown of what you saw because um, I was, wasn't available to catch that one. But, um, you know, it's like he was always young for triple a and he was always pitching in the pcl so i think that those are two things that were like um you know a bit a bit against him you know it's not common to have a 21 a year old pitcher in triple a um and then also just the pcl is is rough um and so yeah i mean like he's still the the pitcher that i think has been hyped for for a while the stuff has always been there but just kind of been the the command and and he might like something in his last, uh, something that he worked on, you know, down the complex level and and something that he's been able to do recently has really, really turned the corner. Um, like specifically with his, his zone rate was uh, 45%, which is like right about league average. Um, and then his chase rate on, on pitches outside the zone was 33%, which is a bit over league average. So if, you know, if he's going to stay around the zone enough, especially with the fastball and get chases outside the zone on his breakers, like, you know, he doesn't have a, have an impeccable command if he has that you know nasty slurp coming from the from the left side so um so yeah it's i don't think that um i think that he's still kind of like work still working even now to to kind of like figure out who he has as a pitcher you know he threw 72 percent fastballs in his debut and um i know lamar will talk about that a little bit more too but um you know it's i think it's it's great to see that that he made it to the majors and I, I definitely thought that it was gonna happen maybe in like May or June, um, but those command issues really, really set him back. But honestly, really impressive for him to go and work on it, and then get back to on tr- get back on track and and make his MLB debut this year, and um, and it looked good.
1: Yeah, I think um you know, talking about uh, watching the start, I didn't watch it live. I went back um, and was able to to use some some technology to to watch uh, the start kind of in, a, in an abbreviated sense um so watching just his just his pitches and actually i have the play log um pulled up on fan as well just to kind of help refresh my memory as well i think uh there was a handful of things that i that i noticed we were talking off mic about his fastball which um has never really been an elite level fastball um major league capable sure but but definitely that's not his uh put away pitch at all that's not really his calling card and even in the start against the Phillies, uh it was sitting around ninety-four, topped out around ninety-six, ninety-seven. Uh, nothing as far as um his extension, release point, shape of the fastball at all shows again, like anything significant. But Jake you're pointing out that fastball got eleven whiffs. Uh, what I saw was that he was doing a pretty good job commanding that fastball at the top of the zone. And I think that helped kind of set up the rest of um what he was trying to do pitch wise, which is really relying on that put away pitch, which is the, um, sort of slot. It was, it was being called a slurve through, um, the broadcast slider curve, you know, I, I guess that really depends on how you look at the the breakdown of movement there, but that's really the, the put away pitch for him. And, uh, what I thought was really fascinating was, he really commanded the fastball top of the zone and on the right-hand side of the plate so against lefties that obviously helps he was uh busting in the right-hand hitters he actually ended up hitting um edmundo uh sosa so kind of going a little bit too far in and he actually did much better against the phil's right-hand hitters than he did against the lefties which is you know somewhat surprising uh having a, a reverse split like that obviously it's one game doesn't mean that that's what he's going to be for the rest of his career. Um, but I just thought that that was uh, somewhat notable. Uh, in fact, all of, I'm looking at the game log now and all of his strikeouts, he got five strikeouts. They were all against righties. He struck out Trey Turner, uh, Castellanos, Baum, Ramuto, and uh, Johan Rojas. So literally all of the, the righties um, were well, not all the righties, but literally the right hand hitters only he's getting uh, strikeouts against The lefties gives up a double to start against Schwarber. Uh, Obviously, Bryce Harper takes him deep. Bryson Stott hits a double. Um, Where else am I Harper gets another hit. Uh, And then Stott finishes him off uh, a single to center, and that was the end of his night. So not so good against the lefties. Really good against the righties. Um, He had that bat against uh real muto the, where he got real muto uh striking out and he dropped a really nasty again what was being pegged as a slurve um within that bat that was just like exactly what you want to see from a lefty that can throw that as far as um down in the zone at the gets the very bottom of the zone perfect movement real muto was just could could couldn't even swing at it just was a statue and so there's something there i think jake last week um again off mic as we were talking about harrison you mentioned that you thought there may have been a little bit of an overreaction to harrison's walk numbers and that command um question where you Mm -hmm. thought myself included i was very like like oh my god the world is ending (laughs) right so so i think you were bringing up that and and i think we're kind of seeing it now at least with this first start that from a dynasty standpoint from a fantasy standpoint they're still good value with harrison as a starter um another thing that i am assuming here based on just watching start is and and extrapolating it over many if not all of the other um rookie pitching starts that we've seen and pitching debuts that we've seen this year is there really seems to be a pared down simplified sort of throw your best pitch as much as possible i know when bryce miller came up a lot was made in his first handful of starts like, oh, he's just spamming the fastball. That's not going to last. Um, Mason Miller's another one. Gavin Williams is another one. Uh, Bobby Miller, seems like all the Millers apparently, but like a lot of these guys, when they came up, it was like, throw your best pitch. A lot of them, it's the fastball. Um, and the teams were kind of like, we'll just kind of build off of that. Instead of trying to bring you up and have you do a lot of mixing, matching early on. Um, I think Hey, this is speculation, but um, I think it's a lot of let's build the confidence, right? Let's show at the major league level, you can throw your best pitch and get outs, get strikeouts, get swings and misses. And then that third pit, you know, that change up or that slider that we're still kind of working on trying to get you to to get it in the zone completely, like those sorts of things we'll continue to work in. We know we have to build them into the game plan because we know hitters, major league hitters are going to adjust. but. Um, that's not the top priority. It doesn't seem, especially with this class of, of pitchers. And I think, um, Harrison falls into this uh, similar boat. So I'll be curious to see in his next start, uh, if we see any sort of similar trends as far as his pitch mix usage, and then the effectiveness versus lefties versus righties, if that's, um, a trend that we see as well. I saw a lot of comparisons and and this is where I fall in a lot of comparisons to Dia hall, right? Lefty, he has swinging and stuff, but there's a big command issue. Maybe he's actually better off coming out of the pen. I think the difference um, overall is – the difference so far, let me put it that way because they're still both quite young and, and early in their career, is um, I think Harrison's overall youth, even though I think age-wise there may be a year difference between them, but I think just the number of innings that Harrison has logged versus Hall – um. gives me some hope that there's still like an extra piece there. And now he's at the major league level. I think Hall, this is kind of who he is. And we haven't seen much from him because A, the Orioles are in a playoff hunt and they don't have time to kind of, they got a lot of young, uh, uh, a lot of youth on their team already. They don't really have the uh, luxury of adding more youth while they're trying to hunt for, you know, winning a division, maybe a, a number one overall seed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, even though you know they can always use the pitching help, I think with Hall, there's going to be a decision of, or how confident are we to keep him in the rotation? I don't think Harrison's at that point yet. I think Harrison still has a little bit more leeway before the Giants are at that, um, are at that point. So, I failed that to say, and I think Jake kind of speaking on your behalf. If you roster Harrison, you should feel good about this first start. If you don't roster Harrison. I think you should feel good about this first start. And you may want to start sending some inquiries. Your deadline might be, might be passed. Um, but if you're able to, to work out all season trades, et cetera, like you might want to circle Kyle Harrison and say, Hey, you know, I'm kind of rooting for him to do good, but not great. And maybe I can slip something kind of past the, the goalie a little bit. Like I can go out and make an offer in the off season and get him. And then that second season, that first full season as a major leaguer, He'll be able to flourish because I see, you know, I see all the bits and pieces. I I see where they need to come together. um It's just a matter of getting that timing. So Harrison is still, I think, valuable. Is he a top one hundred guy like he had been to start the season? Uh, maybe not, especially with this this particular draft class moving a lot of guys, a lot of those fringe guys out. I, I could see him falling out of top one hundred, but you know, he he's even if he's not prospect gold anymore. He is a major league pitcher now, and that's the most important thing. He is now at the highest level, which is how you win your fantasy league. Nobody wins by having the best AAA pitcher, right? Like you, you need guys to rack up stats at the major league level, and that's what he's doing now. So I'm very interested now to see his second, third, and, and subsequent starts to finish out this season.
2: Yeah. Um, honestly, interesting to hear that he might be outside the top 100 because, I mean – for the longest time he was top 20, you know? Um, And I honestly haven't been been paying attention to where he's ranked on like updates for, for some of the common, um, some
1: of the common like sites. Um,
2: Yeah. Same same here. That's
1: that's kind of my general, that's my general, again, speculation. I haven't, Yeah, I'm I'm not citing a, a particular list. I'm just thinking about like, I know he has fallen. I know that for a fact that he has fallen, uh through this season and most of the major lists um to right. the, at least the bottom half of that uh, of that top 100 right that second 50 um and then like i say just thinking about what this draft class specifically is doing um and then of course you have you know a handful of guys uh still graduating but think about this draft class like you got four five you know the 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 top five guys are going to be somewhere in the mix and then you probably got a handful of others um you know that's um, some of the guys we're going to actually talk about in today's um pod but you know the the Mashers, how people feel about nolan chanuel like all those sorts of guys will mix in even in that lower half too so it's just you got to make space and i think harrison right. is the type of, harrison seems like the type of prospect knowing how most of these major um, prospect lists go major rankings go he seems like the type of prospect that guys go yeah you're done here you know you're, you're already at the major level there's really nothing more that we can say or do as a prospect to like move you up we need to make space for these new guys and that's kind of how prospect rankings tend to go like regardless of the methodology for the individual writer evaluator or team tends to pretty much go like once you make to the major league level even if you haven't graduated i mean there's really nothing nobody's going to jump from being even number 20 on somebody's list make their major league debut and then now all of a sudden we need to make them within the top 10 like that doesn't really help anybody they're already at the major league level why would you jump them 10 spots over guys that are still trying to make it there it's you know you're pretty much on your way So whatever your last sort of spot was before you made it to the majors, that's pretty much where you are. And worst case scenario, you're going to drop from there. That's, that's what I've seen in the last couple of years with most major prospect lists. That's kind of what the end result tends to be, which, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just that's what's informing my opinion about him no longer being a top 100 guy. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fair.
2: Um, yeah, that's, I um, definitely see the methodology there. It's just, yeah, it's wild thinking about kind of like where he was. It's like he, for some people, he was like
1: the, the number one pitching prospect
2: for a minute there. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely
1: like the number one lefty, right? Right, right. Absolutely. If he was the number one overall, you're definitely the number one left-handed pitcher for for quite some time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But, the, but those, are uh, the guys, those are the guys that I like to, to circle because right. you can get that value, right? When people get the prospect fatigue of like, when, because that was the other thing with Harrison's, like, when is he going to finally make his debut? When is he going to finally come up? Mm-hmm. We've been hearing about this guy forever, and then you know everybody starts to, you know, look at the shiny new toys and start to gravitate elsewhere, and then if the results don't come in, it's like, okay, well maybe we we're wrong about this guy, and yeah, there's a line where you're like, oh no, this guy is like really bad. Like this is guy, he may not make it, but. Like you were saying with Harrison, there was always just, it was a lack of consistency, right? If the stuff is there, he can get the results. It's just, he can't get it start over start, month over month. Well, right. there's still something there for me. There's major league pitchers that have that uh, problem, yeah. you know, to the major league players that have this problem, like streaks come, some some players are streaky, right? Streaks come and go. If the stuff and the talent is still there and then the team believes in them to, to get give them that final call, Hey, I'm interested. Right. And if I can pick them up for cheap or for free, absolutely. Like, welcome aboard. We'll we'll see how this plays out. And then I'll make my decisions from there. So, um, you know, deep dynasty, you're not grabbing them unless you're giving up quite a bit. But redraft leagues, um, you know, start thinking about Harrison in the back end of your draft as you're going into, you know, next year's redraft of being like, hey, you know, who's the extra arm that I can add? that will be at the major league level. So I'm not wasting a draft spot waiting yeah. you know, playing the up and down game. Like he, I, th- I I don't see Harrison like getting pushed back down. I think now that he's up, he's up. So, you know, he's on a major league rotation. Uh, I can get him for, you know, pretty, pretty cheap on the back end and he'll add some value. If you're in the shallower leagues um, where there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of talent that's on the wire, but, you know, you're really looking at those top 150 sort of prospects. He's still in that mix. I think you can, you know, make an aggressive offer unless, like I said, unless the wheels completely fall apart where he shows us like, oh no, there is something actually like underlying wrong here, or he completely like blows it out the water for the rest of this year, in which case, like obviously price of business is going to go way up. Um, Cause right. he already has the pedigree to go with it. So I think you yeah. like I said, if you don't have him, you're kind of rooting for him to to make more starts like he did. Good, not right. great. <laughs> and then yeah. maybe I can slip something through.
2: Yeah. No, and if if he somehow is, you know, demoted or taken out of the rotation, it will not be for lack of opportunity because mm-hmm. right now he is one of uh three <laughs> in right. the rotation. Right. Um and they got they got Alex Wood in long relief, so I'm sure he's gonna get some bulk innings, but And even Sean Maniah, maybe. But, like, dependable guys, they don't don't
1: have a lot. That's what I say. Free Ryan Ryan Walker.
2: Okay. Okay. I
1: don't know much about Ryan Walker, Walker, so I'll have to look. Well, Ryan Walker is, like, their go-to opener. Um, He's a rookie as well. He's he's a rookie as well. And I believe almost all of his appearances, except his last one, he got his first save uh, pitching to one batter. He went one third inning and got his first major league save. (laughs) Um, but he's been an opener pretty much all of his appearances this year. Um, typically paired with like a Manai or somebody like that, but he's super effective, right? He'll go an inning, inning in a couple, you know, inning in a, in a third or so no runs, maybe a hit, no walks, two to four strikeouts. And I'm just like, let the guy give, give the guy some, some room either put him in high leverage and have him coming out, you know, eighth, ninth inning. And I know with the Giants, the way they're playing. It's not like they got a whole lot of high leverage games right now, but like put yeah. them in that way or just let them like play out the string. But that's just, yeah. that's my look. Okay. okay. Free, free, free Ryan Walker.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Now I'll have to, I'll have to, uh, to check out a game when he, when he does an open, does an opener. I don't know.
1: Um, <laughs>
2: when he opens. Yeah. yeah. When he opens. Oh God. Yeah. That was That's how you say that. Um, Oh man! But uh, one one last uh, point about Kyle Harrison. I um, pulled out the trusty calculator and um, figured out that he has a he had a twenty one point five percent swing strike rate in his MLB debut. Uh, I've never seen a number higher than that in an MLB debut. That's insane. Um, and yeah, I think like he's like he's going to have the opportunity. They don't have a ton of depth in, in the rotation right now. There might be a guy or two that can come up from AAA, but like. I think that he'll have some run, and um, like you said in redraft too. Like I think he's absolutely viable for for next year, and um, could be a, a good good late round pick.
1: Um, before we head into the break, the the second bit. Like I said, this week in baseball is pretty abbreviated. So the second bit that we have is just more of a, a quick note, and that's uh, Adiolo Amador getting promoted to Double A. Um, Amador has actually been hurt recently. He was just finishing up uh, some rehab um, assignments in the complex league, uh, and then they moved him from there to AA, which is kind of his his more standard or normal uh, trajectory based on what he had been doing uh, previously before getting injured. Uh, so it's good to see um, him moving along. There's been a lot of debate I've been seeing, obviously, about Rockies players uh, and prospects. Um you know, pitching prospects we we know kind of the the baggage that comes with that, but, um, I've been seeing a lot of people that are like, Hey, you know, the best bet is kind of like so high with Rocky's prospects um I don't know i i'm there's not enough about the team to make me think that they've completely done a one eighty philosophically and like they've really figured something out now, at least when it comes to hitters, but when I look, w- one thing that I have noticed is like all of their top players now, all their top prospects, their top three guys, right? If like Tovar's graduated, Yankee um, Fernandez, Amador, uh, Dion Jorge, like those sorts of guys, the major difference that I see from previous, uh, you know, outputs from the Rockies farm system is that like, these guys are super young. And previously, the whole, the, the biggest uh, uh, breaking point with hitting prospects from Colorado was that they never called these guys up, right? It was like um, Sam Hilliard was like 26 before they ever gave him a shot. And like by that time, it was like anything that you could have worked on with him, he's right. just cemented as this like fourth outfielder type, you know, boomer bust. Like there's nothing else that you could do. Hunter Goodman is another one. Um, that that kind of seems more in the former way, right? He's in AAA right now, but he's aging um, without really getting any majorly signed. Uh, Brenton Doyle is kind of more in that bucket. They finally gave him, he was 24. They finally kind of gave him a break. Uh, they went and got Nolan Jones. So I don't really count Nolan Jones because he's really Cleveland's prospect. They just went and, and traded for him. So right. the thing that I'm seeing now is now, as they're moving young guys and giving young guys the shot, um, you know, Tovar took a while, but he's looking a lot better. Right. But a lot of that is learning on the job. Right. What you expect for a 21 year old to, you know, learn on the job as an everyday major leaguer. Uh, So it's taking him some time, but he's starting to round the form. Yankee Fernandez got the double A. Now he's starting to hit some roadblocks. Right. With his swing and miss, which has always been in this game. But he's 20 years old. He and he still is hitting for power, so I would love to see a second year of him at you know Double A as a twenty one year old. What does that look like? Jorge, same thing. Amador, uh, same thing. Amador is like twenty twenty one as well. uh So I'm not, I'm I'm on the fence. I'm not fully bought in. Like I said, that there's a, a regime change or philosophical change, but I'm also not going to pile on on the never Rockies. We're not. You know, right. I, I just pump and dump them or whatever. Like, because I think there's at least a couple of pieces there. Again, hitters, not talking about pitchers, but yeah. hitters. I think there's a couple of pieces there where at least I'm I'm still intrigued. I still want to see another season or so to see what happens with them. And Amador, Fernandez, uh, Jorge, those three especially lead that pack. Um, pitching wise, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know to tell you. I, You know, I literally, I I don't know if I said this on the pod. I think I told you this off mic, Jake, but when I put together like my reactionary FYPD stuff, like literally that night of the draft and we were talking stuff, I literally had, I I do my pitchers and hitters separate before I put together like a top 50, like overall. Mm. And I literally put Dolander as like number 22 on my pitchers. I normally do like 30, like a top 30, just because I was like reactionary, it was just like, He's a fastball, like rising fastball guy in Colorado. It's never mm-hmm. work. And but, then I was like, I kind of came to myself, like, "Yo, you can't do that." Like that's crazy reactionary. And I moved him up, but still, like, I still had that spirit about me with him. Of just like, mm-hmm. technically, I have you in the top ten, but like, I don't feel that right. I don't. There's, there's definitely like, some heartbreak there. <laughs> yeah, like it's gonna be you know, like, uh um. Man. So yeah, so pitching wise, I don't know what, but Colorado as far as hitters, uh, like I said, I, I'm I'm watching, I'm paying attention. Uh just yeah. because again, like talent can be found in so many places that I just I feel uh just completely writing off complete organizations now. Um the way things go, like we're seeing talent pop up in like the wildest stories, the wildest like, oh, this guy we, you know, left him for dead, he Got, got traded two, three times. Like, like Carter Keyboom is back. Like what? What? Yeah. Like yeah. What is, you know. Now we got Carter Keyboom hitting home runs again. It's like I haven't thought about this guy in like three years. So like yeah. you just never really know. And like is that sustained? Who knows? But I'm just saying like you never truly know what will happen. Um. So yeah. Uh. Anything else to add this week in baseball, Jake? I think those are the only two notes that we really yeah work.
2: i think those are the two those are the two biggest things that that we wanted to talk about but i mean amador i he's one of my favorite prospects he's so yeah. good um he's just his, his contact hitter
1: I, that's that's what exactly he scores,
2: has some nice power yeah. like
1: speed he's great speed yeah a bit of speed um playing in the middle infield which you always you know you can never in my opinion i think that's the second position after pitchers quite honestly where there's always a premium to get better um better middle infielders right second obviously shortstop you know even more so but like even that second baseman if you can have a couple of second basemen that you can mix and match especially if there's some different skill sets there i think that can be super helpful for you um real quick let me actually ask you this this is completely unprepared and this probably should be like its own separate like pod cast or or section but how would you rank like necessity in a major in a, a fantasy team like However, you want to go like least, least necessary, or like least uh, sort of talent, or what am I trying to say? Most talent heavy position to like the most shallow, or vice versa. How would you? And you can Um, mix. You can do like corner in. You know, corner infield. If you don't want to be third and for like, I'll, I'll give you that discretion, But I'm curious now. Like in in dynasty, like overall. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Because I guess that, yeah, that and redraft, there's going to be some differences there.
2: Right. Because I know, I know the, um, because like when you do, when you run, um, when you run, uh, God, what, like the projection, the dollar values, dollar value calculators for auction drafts, um, you have to set, like you have to rank your, your positional, um, oh my gosh, the positional values. And um, I think this year, it was, oh man! See now I'm blanking. It was uh, shortstops were usually pretty high, and I did, um, the most because outfielders were shallow this year, and second base is also shallow. Um, shortstops were like deep at the front, but then there was a huge fall off, um, and then, and then third base is also out been shallow the last couple years too. So, but I think in dynasty, so you're talking like the most the most talent?
1: Yeah, I guess what I, what I was thinking of is, um, just going off of this, this conversation about like Colorado and, and thinking about, you know, their hitters and things of that nature. Um, just thinking about like, uh, and, and thinking about Amador's like, I would love to have like my personal preference. If I could just like cherry pick, Mm -hmm. I would love to have like really good pitching. I would love to have really like good middle infielders, top like stacked throughout. So like a good okay. short, a good shortstop, a good second baseman, but also like thinking about dynasty and prospects as well added mm-hmm. in. Like I would love to have a top flight second baseman and or top flight right. shortstop okay. or a couple of them in my farm as well, and yeah. like and then converse that to or or compare that to, um, outfield where it's like I don't have to go out like. I don't have to go out of my way to get the best outfielders. I can probably cobble together a pretty decent outfield off the, you know, off the free agent wire. I don't have to have the best outfield prospects because I can probably find like even in the FYPD and I know I'm kind of conflating a bunch of different things, but like even in the FYPD, whomever you might have like, okay, Langford Cruz, like all the top, I mean, for the top five guys kind of consensus guys are all outfielders. Yeah. Right? Or if I'm picking at number seven or eight, I don't feel like oh, I should trade up or the like I'm fine getting whomever is the best available player around that spot. And then knowing that, hey, my outfield, whatever I need to kind of revamp in my farm, I can probably find value there in the second or third round because outfield is just so, so large so it's yeah. too much volume as far as talent so i guess that's where i was kind of going with that we'll sort that out like i said that probably needs to be its own like podcast you know in of itself for like a section of our pod so we'll kind of hash out yeah i would i would say I, I like when i look at um
2: when i look at my dynasty rosters and i look at my prospects um you know for for deeper leagues i usually like if i don't see enough shortstops i get a little nervous mm-hmm. um because i think especially like in in prospecting when these players are really young it's like it's like on your high school baseball team it's like the best player was always the shortstop you know um or like little league or whatever um and i think that it like shortstops moves off move off positions as they kind of get older right and so i think even in fypds you kind of want you want the shortstops because they're they're the they're the athletes um and then they might move off to the corner outfield spot or maybe second base or whatever and like that's fine um but I think, yeah, hitting on hitting on the, sh- the shortstop guys, just the athletic guys, you know. Um, but I think third base is actually kind of tricky because mm. it's I think it's like usually, it's not quite as like hit tool first as first base. Like first base is like, oh, I don't really need to worry about that. Like there's going to be some masher that comes up, you know, like it'll be fine. Um, like I'll be able to find like a Reese Hoskins or something like that at some point. Um, but I think third base is you like they still need to be good defensively mm-hmm. like you know more i think more than a first baseman it's the hot corner right and i think it's it's just I it feels like there's always a hole in third base profiles i don't know if i've just kind of like noticed that recently or if there's just not like a fantastic crop of third baseman but i feel like it's you know it's like oh it's a corner bat and so you need to have a little bit more pop it's likely mm-hmm. not going to steal much um and then i just i just feel like it's hard to find a complete offensive profile from a third baseman i feel like if you get that in dynasty that's a that's a really nice asset to have especially because the last even in redraft left last last two draft seasons now it's been tough after top top tier of third baseman
1: yeah Um, no so that that, that's that's kind of what i'm what i'm hinting towards i guess in, in this hypothetical that i'm posing is like that's a really good point of a third baseman you know you can have a slew of different third base types and when you're looking at projecting them it's like well this guy's a third baseman but like he's really they've also played him in outfield, and like he's probably better as a left fielder or like even as a right fielder Mm -hmm. because of his arm but he doesn't have the footwork to stay at third base so like defensively he's a little ambiguous but he hits well okay that's great Well, this guy's a third baseman now but like he's so big by the time he fills out he's gonna have to be a first baseman because he's just not gonna be he's, he's too large he's not gonna be able to to move around but he thumps he can't you know contact rate maybe not be great but he can get you close to 30 home runs okay cool so you're really right. like he's a third baseman now but i'm really having to value him as a first baseman he's a third baseman now i really have to value him as like a utility guy or like a, as an outfielder this guy's a third baseman and he's he, he's like web gym every night but he's probably going to top out of like 15 home runs and then like I almost have to value him like I value a second baseman, but he's a third baseman. Is like yeah. that's kind of what I was talking talking through. Is like we know like shortstop is is like you said like always number one. Personally, I would say like pitching is probably going to be my number two in a deep dynasty, just because like I've I've now learned over these past two seasons of my team still being bad but getting better, like the value of just having a. Bare minimum competent pitching staff. Like my pitching staff over the last two years has not been like, oh, this is amazing. But just being able to cobble together enough can go a long way, especially in the deep dynasty of just. Yeah, and especially also this is deep dynasty, and this is also talking about categories. So like, I'm not talking about roto, um, Mm -hmm. even points necessarily, but like in head head because it does enough to just be like, hey, every every week I could possibly be competitive in the pitching categories. And maybe I can steal one or two hitting categories and just like mm-hmm. it wins that way. Um yeah. so for me it's like okay, shortstop is great, pitching also good. Um, even though we have this boom of catching prospects, I never think of catchers like first I actually have been rostering two catchers the last couple of years, even though it's not a two catcher league. And it's okay. really just because like together. I get like, one major league players like right. this guy yeah. hits for power, but he can't do anything else. Right. Uh, and then this guy is like, he gets every day at bats because he's the primary mm-hmm. catcher now and he's right. good enough. And so together is right. like i have a whole player which, right especially you know, in not- like a daily league
2: you can kind of you can right. mix and match them you don't have to play them for four games out of a seven right. Game right. week
1: or whatever right um, um and then it's outfielders yeah, but, like i said before like i'm yeah. always falling in love with outfield prospects but then when i've yeah. i'm starting to look back and be like why do i roster all these outfield pros- i can always find these guys i'm always going to find these guys they're always there there's always going to be some guy who can run for days and hit the ball, you know, a ton or whatever. And he's a center fielder now, but maybe he'll be a right fielder. Like, I can always find these guys every year versus mm-hmm. to what you're saying. Like, I could probably be locking in more to be like, oh, this is a shortstop second baseman. And I kind of need to solidify my middle infielder because you can never find those guys on the wire. Uh, as, again, in a deep dynasty, you can never find middle infielders uh, on the wire that are any good you can never seem to find them like in a trade that works out in your favor. Like you're always paying a premium (laughs) for getting those guys. Nobody wants to give up. Cause that, 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 that position or positions seems like that can fall off a cliff so easily where it's like, Oh, I had three middle infielders and I was decent and I traded one and then one got injured. And now like I'm completely screwed. (laughs) So anyways, we'll, we'll cash that out.
2: Um, Yeah, sure. I think honestly we could have a whole, we could have a whole podcast just about pitching too, just like building a pitching staff in a dynasty league. Um, Like I was, I was been having a conversation with Lucas Berry uh, who we had on this podcast to kind of at the beginning of the, before the right before the start of the season. Um, And yeah, no, he's, he's been awesome uh, just talking to him about overall strategy and whatnot. And, And we've been talking about pitching and kind of like our preferences on like, on like ages and like the, like the aging curves and when are we willing to, like when you sell a guy or like when do you buy in and, um, and then just like how to, how to construct a, um, how do you deal with pitching prospects? The whole, uh, is it, it's like 10 staff, like yeah. there's no such thing as yeah. a pitching prospect and kind of like going the anti of that and, and yeah. where to look and, and all that. I think we could do a whole, we could do a whole pot on that. It's just it, like you said, it's like, you can, you, if you're in a head to head, you could just, you know, you can get a solid staff and, and do that way and kind of stream the hitters or, um, you also just pitching depth is so important, you know, cause like all the injuries that we've seen this year and uh, in general, it's yeah. just, it's just a gauntlet, you know, it's so honestly, I find it so much fun just dealing with, uh, dealing with pitching.
1: So. Yeah. All right. With that being said, let's head into break. We're running long already. Let's head into break. Let's come back. We're going to go through, uh, we have a prospect, a piece per level. So we're going to go through, uh, rookie league and DSO combined, low a and high a and talk through some guys that we think should be getting a little bit more shine bring some value to you from the lower miners right after this
0: this podcast is sponsored by underdog want to make money making picks on mlb games and you have to try underdog fantasy the easiest place to play fantasy sports in underdogs Pick 'Em game you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts hits and more Pick the 2-5 players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PitcherList and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's UnderdogFantasy.com or Underdog Fantasy in the App Store. Sign up with promo code PitcherList and get your first deposit doubled up to $100.
1: Um, so we're going to start with the the sort of combination of complex, both complex league, Florida and Arizona, along with DSL, uh, as our first starting point, um, my person, well, Jake, I I feel like I always go first, Jake, you want to go first with your person this time? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the guy, uh, that I have here
2: is on the, the Yankees organization, uh, at the complex level, and uh, his name is Emmanuel N- N- Tejada, um, not Emmanuel. It's Emmanuel N- Tejada uh, is 18 years old and um, he is a, a middle infield prospect uh, kind of plays all over the infield right now. Um, but what kind of stood out to me was the uh, strikeout to walk, strikeout to walk numbers uh, so far. Uh, 217 played appearances this year. He. Has a twenty point three percent walk rate and a twenty point three percent strikeout rate. Um, so nice, nice, clean, even one to one strikeout to walk there. Um, you know, it's a, I mean, it's a little bit. I think usually when you're looking at like strikeout rates in the in like the complex leagues, you'd like to see it, maybe even sub twenty percent. Um, but I think pairing that with like the the crazy plate skills there. Um, is always really nice to see uh 154 WRC plus one of the has been one of the best hitters in the league um and i think he he hit 5 home runs but i think he has more power than than that coming um he is uh, a little bit shorter frame but uh, he has a nice nice looking leg leg kick that um you know keeps him on time and you know quick hands big swing i think he could kind of short that shorten that down a little bit and and just kind of get more compact and more consistent um looks like he's just he's he's super athletic and i think that that kind of shows in his swing but he doesn't need to kind of be all over the place like he is now um i think if he just kind of like hones in his his approach a little bit uh, from the like with his swing um he has a really good eye already so um i think he just kind of like keeps all of his he's very um very aggressive in in like his his mechanics, right? He's a bit all over the place. So I think if he just kind of makes the swing a bit more compact, um, you know, really drives through that leg kick and and I think he can get some more some more power working. Um but yeah there's there's not a whole lot of like footage on him, you know, obviously being in the in the complex league, but the the stuff I've seen um from the side and and some you know contact skills is has been solid so far. He also is still in twenty four bases in thirty attempts. Um, and that's all he actually, he went 11 for 17 in the, in the DSL. So he's getting better as, as, um, he's running just as much, but, or even more. And then he's also getting better at not getting caught. So i like to see that as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's my, that's my guy for complex. He's 18 years old. Um, so hopefully we can see him at that low a, um, low a to start next season and, uh, and go from there, you know, but I like what I see so far. Nice and projectable very good very good and we were just talking about middle infielders so that's perfect perfect start right right you like to see them kind of play out play play around the infield get the reps at shortstop and i mean yeah just athletic you know?
1: yeah um so my guys uh it's an interesting one um so the san francisco giants have two two-way players over the last couple of drafts um one was reggie crawford uh, he was a, a pitcher first baseman from UConn uh, had gotten injured and then came back from the injury. Uh, and then their 2023 first round pick. And, and this is my selection for this pod is uh, Bryce Eldridge, who was pitcher and hitter in high school. Um, they actually converted him to playing right field, which is a position he said he had never played before, um, before getting drafted. And so i i picked eldridge because physically i think there's something very interesting there without getting into the two-way stuff first and foremost just looking at him and valuing him as an outfielder right now um in right field i mean he obviously has the arm uh he's starting to look uh, more and more comfortable with like Pretty much every inning, every every ball that he's uh, making a play on, being able to have decent routes. I don't think he'll ever be, you know, we're not necessarily talking about a gold glover, but I I don't think he is going to be a disaster if they choose to keep him uh, in the outfield. He's athletic enough. And again, his size, he's six, seven. So you are talking about a big guy taking some big strides, able to cover a lot of ground, Um, already has hit five home runs um, in the Arizona Complex League swing and miss is real as well, right? This is like a classic big power but big swing and miss stuff. Yes, obviously a big zone. Um the swing is not long though, uh which is something I like it's when you look at him, uh when you look at Eldridge, uh look at Spencer Jones, uh also I was doing some more FYPD preps, so I was looking at George workout uh, of the White Sox, another guy who's a lefty 67 uh or 67ish. Big zone, like all these guys are going to have the same. They're they're bringing the same profile, all three of them, which is uh, they have to learn how to control their strike zone because it's bigger than most. Uh, The top of the zone, especially because that's where they're probably going to get attacked the most, because it's going to most umpires are going to give more leeway at the top of the zone against a tall guy um, than you know a average or shorter hitter. Uh, So they have to be able to control those fastballs that they're going to be seeing at the top of the, the zone there um, being disciplined and being able to hunt for their pitch. I'm going to bring that up with another uh, prospect um, further, further on, but the power and the power potential, right? Game and raw power is all three of these guys in Eldridge, uh, especially, I mean, this guy's swing is one is naturally able to loft the ball. He's able to go pull side but also um being able to to go with some power away. You're talking about a guy who could be a 30 home run hitter consistently as an outfielder. Now, that's all hitter stuff. He has not pitched as a professional yet. Um I saw some speculation as I was putting the outline together today. I saw speculation online nothing that I would feel like solidified on. But um, you know the possibility that he could pitch at fall instructs, um, so that's something to potentially look out for. Pitching wise, it seems like um, he has pretty good fastball. Uh, one secondary pitch, I want to say it's a changeup. Not a whole lot to the pitch mix, so I don't know. You know, I, I wouldn't salivate too much over him as a pitcher as is uh, right now, but we'll see what happens uh, if if and when he does pitch either this season or, or perhaps into next season. Um, but just as a hitter at this level, as young as he is, the power that he shows, if you're in on Spencer Jones, if you're in on a George Work, I would say no reason not to be in. If you're in on a Reggie Crawford, because that's kind of Reggie Crawford's profile as a hitter as well. Like, if you're in on any of these guys, Eldridge is just as good as far as power potential as any of them. So, um, you know, you're talking about, I think he has for MLB.com a 70 grade um power tool so holy cow yeah so that's that's my guy Bryce Eldridge two-way player outfield and pitcher technically uh for the Giants
2: okay uh love to hear that man love to hear that about Eldridge uh definitely like one that you know during the during and around the draft um being like okay there's another two-way player for the Giants like what are they doing here um and like maybe too good to be true you know but I don't I don't think he needs to necessarily be the 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 two way guy I think that there's plenty there to look forward to in the offensive profile and I think it's just going to be fun to to
1: watch him hit Um, I think actually
2: potential man that's awesome
1: I I think actually at least from what scouting reports were saying going into their individual draft classes I think Mm -hmm. Crawford is probably the better pitcher and Eldridge is the better hitter that's what it seems like uh, early on so we'll see we'll see how that bears like I said Crawford has been hurt. Um, and they kind of been playing him along kind of slowly. And then you have, uh, Eldridge, obviously he's, he's brand new, um, just getting drafted this year, but, uh, yeah, it'll, it's interesting that they went back to back years grabbing guys like that. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how that works out. Um, going into low a, um, I'm going to turn it back to you, Jake, because you have a name here that we were talking off mic on of like, Hey, this guy like just popped up on, I think most people's radar. So this is like perfect timing to highlight them. Uh, but surprise, surprise, it's an arm coming out of the Atlanta Braves system. Um, but maybe not who you anticipate, or maybe it is. It depends on how right <laughs> you are, uh, but go ahead, Jake. Who Who's your guy? Yeah. Um, my guy is...
2: Oh man, I not 100% sure how to pronounce the first name. I probably should have looked that up. Um,
1: do you happen to know Lamar? I'm I'm just going off of kind of phonetics and I would say it's Jean Carlos. Jean Carlos. Yeah. Okay, we could do with that. It's J
2: A J N Carlos uh Lara. Jean Carlos Lara. Uh right-handed pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. Uh overall on the year, like, you know, numbers look solid but nothing like screams out at you, you know, it's 72 innings. Um, four ERA, a 1.29 WHIP, which doesn't matter a whole lot for prospecting pitchers. You know, we've talked about it for ERA in the major leagues is hard enough to be predictive. There's no way it can be predictive in the minor leagues. Um, but uh, 31.4% strikeout rate, 12.5% walk rate, and a 3.48 xFIP. Um, and so it's like, okay, it strikeout weight kind of uh, jumps out at you a little bit there. Uh, walk rate's a little high, but I think that's also kind of a more common thing that at least I've been seeing in in um, looking at pitchers in the minor leagues, um, a ton of the guys that we have seen be promoted to um, to the majors, uh, like you know, Kevin Williams, even Tanner Bybee had issues with walks. Bobby Miller um, was actually, I think, better than than most. But a lot of guys have had strikeout rates in the minors of ten percent or more and been promoted and kind of figured it out. There's just um, you know, there's been a lot of, I think other people talking about how like, oh, in the minors, you might be working on something specific, like throwing a certain amount of pitches or trying to do something right. Like, um, so walk rates are tough. I think that was my point there. If walk rates are kind of tough to, to, you can't, I don't think you could look at a 10 plus percent walk out walk rate anymore and be like, oh no, that's, that's not for me. Um, but even with, even with a 12% walk rate, that's almost a 20% on his BB. So that's good. Um, but what really has gotten him on people's radars, I think, is is his performance recently, which is ridiculous, no matter how you slice it. There to, there's no caveats necessary for what he's done recently. Uh, his last three starts, 17 innings pitched, no earned runs, 26 strikeouts to four walks. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's insane. Uh, also has eight hits. So that's what, 12, 12 walks plus hits and 17 innings pitched. That's, I mean, what, like a 0.65 whip or something stupid like that um and then the the, the strikeout minus uh walk uh is 44 percent strikeout and 6.8 percent walk rate um so, so that's like 37 like 37 like k yeah. minus bb yeah um that, that'll, do. Yeah. that'll do that's yeah that'll work <laughs> um so i don't think he's gonna be at low a very much longer um he actually even technically if he is not
1: he, he oh he after, did after the last start he got promoted like literally the next day Wow, look at that. I okay. allowed, I I allowed I this because he's not at, he is, he has not made his high A debut. So I allowed it under uh, okay. our rules. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, but, uh, is still, you know, lower minors. We're talking about lower minors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now he's at high A. Thank you for that, Lamar. Um, and so, but I, I went and watched his, his most recent start at low A. Um, and what I kind of come away from it with that, it's a really solid arsenal with like the pieces to, to be I think a good major league arsenal but I think right now it's just very unpolished. Um you know, he's his velocity is great. He sits around 96, I think in the start that I watched he touched to 98 a couple times. Um but he also kind of dropped down to like 94 a, a bit as well and then the broadcaster on the on the broadcast said that he's hit 100 a couple times this year too. So that's a pretty huge range I think for fastball velocity. 94 to 100
1: can i um can i interrupt yeah. just for a quick second absolutely um, from what you could see at least and i know it's it's always hard to tell in in one start uh watching a, a minor league broadcast but uh when the fastball was in the 94 was that did that seem like an intention of changing speeds or was that like later in the game like fatigue wise or i don't i don't know if you even recall or well,
2: I think, I think it was weird because I noticed it for the first time in like the second inning. And I was wondering if there was a, if it was a different pitch, but it didn't have the movement of like a, of like a, a cutter, I think would really be the only, or like a two-seamer that might make sense. But, um, and so it kind of like took me off. I was like, I was just seeing 96, you know, 97, I was like 90, even 95 is like, all right. But I think it just, it was weird that it kind of hit me that it dropped to 94. Um, but then again, but then like a, two batters later it hit 98, um, And so I think it's like, and then late in the game, he was still, he was still, I think, sitting around, around 96. It just, he didn't hit 98 as much. So I don't know. It's like, um, it's a good fastball. It doesn't have like a ton of run or ride like you might've seen like with like Wu or Miller and these guys, but, um, but like he placed it, he was really good in, in commanding it kind of all around the zone. Um, and guys were fooled by it. It wasn't hit very hard. Um, so, yeah, I think it's kind of like we'll have to see where the fastball kind of like ends up, you know, where it where it can sit consistently. Um, but I have no doubt that it'll be at least like 95. It'll be in an above average velocity fastball. I don't think it's going to sit 97, 98. It'll probably be like 95, 96. Um, so, yeah, fastball is solid. Uh, and then the slider looks like, I think, a potential plus plus secondary pitch. Um and I was really kind of struggling with getting the full arsenal on the broadcast because obviously you don't have the, the convenience stack it has to tell you exactly what these pitches are. You kind of have to go by like movement profiles and velocity. If, if the broadcast has velocity right. readings, I was very right. lucky that this low a broadcast had velocity
1: and readings. If they have a good, if they have a good camera angle. So it's not like,
2: yeah, like, yeah. well, it, like, it was like fantastic. Actually
1: angle.
2: the camera angle was great. It was like, right behind like right above the pitcher, kind of like looking directly at home plate, maybe just a little bit to the left. Um and that was a, that was I think it was Altoona was the was the Braves lower uh no way. Um he was no. At, uh, it's Augusta augusta okay it starts with an a um augusta so if you ever if you know if you ever want to go yeah. look at a low a player for the braves the augusta broadcast is, is solid but the audio was horrible the audio was horrible it sounded like a like a like a spaceman talking to you from mars it was just brutal maybe it was maybe atlanta is well ahead of the curve and they had right the <laughs> um um but yeah but anyway the the slider looked really good and it it was sitting 87 88 um which is fantastic um for a slider it was a it was really tight break not a huge amount of like drop or huge amount of sweep but i think you're able to command those sliders better uh and it's also just harder to hit it's harder to hit a, an 88 mile per hour pitch that moves like a slider even if it doesn't have huge huge break numbers um so yeah and he commanded the slider well um got a good amount of whiffs on it uh then he also has a changeup that sits in the high 80s too um which would be, I think will be interesting to see the kind of velocity separation that he can get. Um, Cause if he ends up, if he, let's say he ends up sitting 94, 95 and he has an 88 mile per hour slider and an 88 mile per hour changeup. There's just not a lot of like, not a lot there to keep guys like off balance and changing speeds. You know um, it's I think really close. Um, but if he's able to sit 97 and slider 90 slider, 87 change up maybe he maybe i don't know maybe he adds a, another pitch or just works with it better uh, with sequencing and whatnot but i think that'll be interesting to see kind of like how the arsenal kind of shapes out and with the velocity to see if he if he's able to kind of keep guys guessing um and not and everything just doesn't get too bunched together velocity wise um and then also i like i i pretty sure there's a cutter it was hard to tell, but like there, cause there was like a 92 mile per hour pitch that had some, had some movement to it. I'm like, okay, I think that has to be a cutter. And the, like the broadcast was saying, it was a slider. I don't, I just don't think that he's throwing a 92 mile per hour slider, uh, or 93. Uh, I also, it wasn't a fastball. It had a little bit. So I, I'm pretty sure he throws a cutter um as well so and that's t- like it's tough watching pitchers sometimes in the in the lower levels because yeah. you kind of have to use trust your own eye to get the to get the arsenal and you'll see something as like oh that was something i've not seen so far it's like the fourth inning uh yeah. and so um but yeah overall i think and and that's kind of part of the 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 process to hone in an arsenal too um, is get more consistent with the movement profiles, the locations, what pitches you're going to feature, how you're going to use them sequencing and whatnot. And so I think that he's going to have the opportunity to work on, on that a little bit more in in high a and especially once he gets to double, double leg next year. Um, but the, the raw, the raw stuff, the raw skills, he doesn't, wasn't like all over the place. Uh, his command looked good and it, he didn't like he, when he missed, it wasn't like a, throwing it over the catcher's head down the backstop or spiking everything horribly so um so yeah i I walked away thinking that i would love to watch him again in double a next year and and see how we can build off of the the kind of the budding profile there
1: yeah i think um laura like like you were pointing out jake uh with this uh shutout streak that he has going is is what kind of generated um some recent interest that's exactly how he popped up on um my feed looking at uh the the augusta green jackets um profile and and they were they were highlighting what he's done recently and then like i said seeing the announcement he got promoted right after to a high a so um as high a is starting to wind down its season uh he probably will be able to get a couple of starts in uh in september uh for us to keep an eye on so that'll be interesting and i would imagine i know you mentioned double a but i would imagine especially Getting a feel, not knowing, but getting a feel for how Atlanta tends to um, handle his pitchers. Probably a, a, a full season of of high is what he has in store, or at least again using this as a as a uh, example as a template. Right, most of next season will probably be high A. Maybe as we get into late summer fall, if he's performing quite well, you might see that jump up. But I think that makes you know now a perfect time to. Um, in in the deep dynasties, right, your 16-teamer pluses. If you have those uh, back-end roster spots, you're kind of churning, especially your your rebuild teams or teams that just missed the playoffs. You're kind of just playing out the string now, trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do for next year? Uh, You know, who can I get rid of? Who can I get ready to package maybe in in an off-season deal? I think if you, you know, can generate a couple of um, spots at the end of your uh, farm system or the end of your bench if you don't have a, a farm proper um lar is a perfectly good dart dart throw to take right now again you can see how he does at high A to finish out the year and then in the offseason you know you can kind of take it from there if you want to drop him again or hang on to him based on what you're seeing uh, i think the the profile you know pitch mix piece is very interesting uh to see uh what they do with getting him to to pare down or hone in on exactly what he is going to feature like you were saying Jake if he has a fastball and a cutter and potentially a slider and a changeup um the Atlanta philosophy seems to be with their pitchers uh over the racing couple of years like we're going to identify your best two to three pitches and that's what you're going to throw like we're not going to do a whole lot of getting you to experiment with throwing this pitch throwing this uh, why don't we add this it's like no whatever you got we're going to optimize what you have, and that's what we're going with. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what they optimize with Laura and, and, and what they what they go forward with. So very interesting name, something that – or someone, I should say, that I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how he finishes his season. Uh, so let me tell you a story. It's about a Dodgers prospect. Shocker. It's a catcher. Well, we know it can't be Will Smith. He's not a prospect. Can't be Kiebert Ruiz. He's not with the Dodgers anymore. Must be Diego Carter. Uh, Car- uh Cartea, excuse me. Can't be him because he's not in the lower minors. Yanner Fernandez, nope, not him Uh, because he's not in low a anymore. It's, and I'm assuming this is pronunciation again, kind of going phonetically, Tyron Lorenzo. Uh, I think Lorenzo is somewhat known. I don't think he's a uh, complete unknown. I think especially deep dynasty guys have have been watching him uh going into last year actually at the complex leagues but um as you can tell like dodgers have of course a lot of prospect depth have a, a pre amount of depth at the catching position um and so i think it's easy for uh, somebody like Lorenzo to have gotten missed a little bit uh by you know people that aren't super super plugged in to um Deep dynasty or or to complex these guys, so he switch hit and catcher, that's a nice little wrinkle. Nineteen years old, uh at the complex league, showed a you know showed pretty well. Eight home runs, eleven doubles, hundred twenty two was the WRC plus, and that was in forty one games. Okay, this year double the amount of games played so far. It, this number is a little skewed um because it's up to date as of a couple of days ago. I'm pulling it from from fan graphs, but 82 games played. He now has 20 home runs, 19 doubles, 147 WRC plus. So double the amount of games, double the amount of work. You're seeing everything positive showing up um, as far as offensive production. K rate has gone up a little bit, but walk rate has jumped about four points as well. So we like seeing that swing and strike rate has been almost cut in half. It's still relatively high it's 14 but coming off of where he was in complex league where he was much more of a free swinger which is not super surprising um given the nature of the complex league and and pitching in the complex league uh it's still nice to see that you're seeing some sort of discipline show up some sort of plate discipline show up for him um i think moving forward it seems like he's going to finish out the string um at low a which means next season it's really a matter of uh you know him starting the season ideally and hopefully at high and having a full run there i think now is probably the time to invest because again with dodgers behind him um him being a international guy right complex league guy which means he's very young which means he brings a certain set of value especially in a lot of uh dynasty leagues who value youth and production from younger players like if he's out and and ross rosterable (laughs) right now now is probably the time to strike because by the time the offseason comes he's one of those guys that when the re-ranking you know the the re-rankings come everybody you know edits their top 100 top 200 top whatever prospect list right he's going to be the guy that's going to make some major moves where people gonna say oh we had him way down here and he was moved you know i'm I'm talking about a major move or 20 spots or so i can see him moving from where he may have started on a certain ranking to where he's going to end up at the end of this season or going into the start of 2024. Uh, Guys that move like that don't stay on the wire for long. They don't stay undervalued for long. Uh, So Tyron, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. Apologies if this is not. Uh, LaRanza, strike now, grab him if you can. If you already have him, good job, hang on to him because the value is going to show up uh and then it's going to be a matter like i said going into next season of what you want to do with him uh but the value is definitely going to be there you can probably make some sweet deals adding him to a package um in the off season to, to get some nice things coming back to you
2: yeah absolutely i love the uh switch hitting catcher for the dodgers you know like mm-hmm. that's just it's yeah. fantastic uh before you even tell me anything else you know <laughs> um but, yeah, I mean, it's that sounds awesome. I, I'm i definitely going to look,
1: look more into him to see where he's at in my leagues because I could use some catching depth in, you in places, you know? There you go. With that being said, we're going to take another quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to finish up at high A. We got uh, a name of peace, a name of peace, excuse me, uh, to go through at the high A level. Um, so we'll knock that out right after this break.
3: Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part: you decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of four thousand two hundred and seventy-two Noomers, ninety-eight percent say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: All right, and we are back. Uh so I'm gonna I'll go first this time to finish up with Haya. Um and my person and this is another one that may not be super unknown, I think <laughs> given his output um and he's moved two levels already. Um I think most in Dynasty shouldn't know, but I'm I'm still gonna put him on the list, and that's Abba We've been having some great names. I just noticed that. Absolutely great names. Yeah. Abba Ortiz, Texas Rangers. Um, they have him listed as outfielder. That's where I want to kind of pull up first and foremost. He probably will not be an outfielder at the major league level. Um, I see him very similarly to Rowdy Teles, of like could he play outfield? I don't think he's terrible. Uh, but like is that his ideal possession, especially with his body type? No. Like he's probably going to be a DH first baseman type Um, just because he's, he's a thick boy. uh, He's, he's, he's probably going to continue to add, um, you know, some, some pounds to him as he ages, uh, whether, you know, muscle or, or, or otherwise. And I can just see, you know, you just kind of forecast that slowing him down um, and, and him not being as valuable in the outfield, but technically speaking, he is labeled as outfield right now. That is where he has been playing. A uh, significant number of games for the Rangers, moved from Low A to High A. Overall, has thirty home runs on the season. Major power. Another person that has major strikeout concerns: twenty nine percent K rate, forty nine point six percent swing rate. So almost fifty percent of the time he's he's swinging at something, and a fourteen point eight percent swing strike rate at High A. Those are his at High A numbers. So yeah, lefty. Um, so you like, like to see the the lefty slugger, you know, as a corner bat type, right? That's an archetype that we know and love. Um, the pull site power is is tremendous on this guy. I know I was talking up, um, Eldridge and, and and some of those guys, but um, what Ortiz does if you watch any of his, uh, home run videos, he punishes mistakes. Any anything that's left hanging, anything that's middle of the zone. Uh, or, or in this, you know, anywhere close, he's sending it and sending it a long way. Uh, and what he can do going the other way. I know, again, I was kind of saying similar things to Eldridge, but seeing this at a higher level, right, against higher competition, what Ortiz can do going uh, center or going to, you know, essentially left center um, equally is powerful. But my question there becomes, you know, he, he handles mistakes can he learn some more discipline and be able to hunt for his pitch um i don't foresee him ever not having swing and miss stuff uh so you know the swinging strikes probably going to remain pretty high k rate we would like to see come down from 29 percent, but it's probably going to be in that you know at best 26 27 percent uh and he's probably going to be a frequent swinger maybe that can come down a a couple ticks but You know, it's probably not going to ever be forty-two percent. You know, swinging strike rate or something like that. But if he is going to strike out, if he is going to be swinging, you know, pretty frequently, I would like to see it in a in a profile that's him trying to hunt for pitches that he knows he's he's going to be able to do damage at, not just not just swinging and missing at everything. Um. So can that be done? And can that be done as he goes up another level? Um. To double A, if it can. I think the Rangers are going to have uh, continue to have really a scary offense. Right. You think about him, you think about Wyatt Langford and you think about, you know, what they already have uh, uh, on the major league level. Uh, Josh Young, you know, uh, you know, having a healthy return, like all that sort of stuff. Um, Yeah. The future is bright as far as Texas offense is concerned. Um, Ortiz probably is, is, taken in all leagues um except the most shallow of leagues uh so i you know like i said i I am kind of highlighting them but i think you know at the higher level there's not a whole lot of unknowns even though you have a name here i've never seen before so that'll be interesting to talk about um but most high a guys especially for hitters um deep dynasty and even sort of mid mid tier right the, the 14 15 team dynasties uh, know about these guys but i just want to highlight like ortiz i think will be very interesting like i said i talked about um rodney tillers um really filling the blank of of a lefty slugging corner outfield bat over the last 10 years and ortiz is, is right kind of in that same sort of wheelhouse um it's just a matter of that sort of his uh end game can he reach it because the floor for him is a guy that just never makes enough contact uh, to to maximize that power against more advanced pitching, right? He's doing this against high A now. Um, and I want to say, I should have pulled up his age. I want to say he's 22. I uh, could be wrong about that. could actually be younger, but I want to say he's 22. Um, but, you know, as he goes against more advanced pitching, seeing less of those mistake fastballs, can he make those adjustments because if he can't he's probably never going to see a major league um level at all but if he can he he can bring some some real thump so Melik ortiz all
2: right um yeah it sounds sounds great i mean like you're saying and that rangers rangers offense if they can keep producing some guys it's that's wild um but yeah love the power potential there. Uh, my guy's also more of a power bat, um, than like an average or a speed bat. Um, and you haven't heard of him Lamar because he's old. Uh, uh he is old for the level. Uh, he is, uh, he's 24 and, uh, yeah, I know, I know 24 in high a, and he was drafted in the 10th round, 290 overall in 2021 out of college. Um, okay, so he's an so old college bat. Old college bat. Yeah. Okay, that, yeah. That, so he's only that, been that, in the he's only the been in the organization for three seasons, you know. So he's not mm-hmm. exactly just been,
1: you know. And what organization is he in?
2: Colorado Rockies. Yay.
1: Hey, <laughs> full circle. <laughs> full circle.
2: <laughs> Love it. Yep. Yep. And hey, man, hey, you know, you never know. This next crop of hitters could work out. They could have a great offense in could. two years, you know. Yeah. You never know. Uh, but uh so the thing that really caught my eye with uh, with this guy. Oh, his name, by the way, <laughs> his name is Zach Kukoska. Um And he's a first base outfield type. Um, doesn't have, doesn't offer any speed. Uh, no, he does. Sorry. Wrong guy. Wrong guy. Um, I was looking at someone else that doesn't offer any speed, but he does. Kokoska does offer some speed. He stole 17 bases last year and, and 18 this year. Um, he's 18 of 25 this year. So the percentage isn't great, but, um still like to see it from someone with with good pop um he has 16 homers this year and 322 plate appearances uh slugging 562 uh with a 259 isolated slugging um and so i mean the speed is the speed is a nice little bonus i think if anything if he were to get to the major league level i think it might be like a 10 you know a 10 steal number um and i think that he could be a 20 to 25 guy in you know long term Uh, homers homers 20 and 25 homers long term um but what caught my eye with him is what he changed from last year to this year so last year in low a 23 year old 358 plate appearances uh and a 197 isolated slugging hit 249 101 wrc plus 13 homers and just kind of like like that would never have caught anyone's eye you know um but A big issue for him that he had last year was his, um, you know, his launch angle. He had a 43.5% ground ball rate, which isn't horrible, um, but a 40% fly ball rate and a 16% line drive rate. Um, You know, the the high fly ball rate will likely come down as he gets closer to the majors. Um, Not very common to run that high of fly ball rates consistently. Um, But what he did was he took 10 percentage points off the ground ball rate and added them to his line drive rate. Um, so he's at 27% line drive right now, 33% ground ball, 39.6 fly ball. Mm. Um, and so I, I don't think this 27% line drive is, is sustainable quite either, you know, but if he could be average to above average at hitting line drives and keep just knocking down that ground ball rate for, cause you're, you know, for a, for a power first guy with, with average to above average speed, you know, you don't want to just like hit balls into the ground. Um, Mm -hmm. And his, his, his home run to fly ball ratio this year in high A is 20%. Um, and so he doesn't even necessarily need to hit 40% fly balls to get a good you know home run, mm. to get some good home run output. Um, and so that was the, kind of the biggest thing I was looking at was – he had a really kind of underwhelming season last year but still had some solid power numbers and a little bit of speed and then this year he's been hitting more line drives been hitting way more doubles he hit i think 14 doubles last year and 21 this year which is huge for his slugging percentage um and overall output and um and his he also he's a solid plate approach too he is uh he's been about a 0.5 bbk um for each of the three seasons uh he had a 6.3% walk rate to a 12% strikeout rate in the complex league then it was 9.5 to 20 and now it's 10.9 to 23 hmm. in uh, high a so um you know i think that it's possible the strikeout rate you know kind of continues going up he gets exposed to double a and we never hear about him again that's absolutely possible here but i would love to see him at double a uh, at hartford uh, and maybe even go catch a game out there since i'm much closer to hartford now um And yeah, so I think that's kind of my biggest thing for him was like he made some sort of change in the offseason and he's a college bat. Mm -hmm. um, And I think that you can, he could play, you know, in Colorado I think there'll be opportunities for him. I think, I mean, it's, it's mile high. So you get a little bit of a boost there, but um, I like the profile. I like that he's making changes. And I think just realistically, even with the, even with the age to level being like, ah, maybe he is kind of taking advantage of, of some less polished pitching right now, even if you look at kind of the timeline um, for how, when he could get to the majors, it might be a little concerning too. Because um, you know, if he if he gets promoted to Double A this year, that helps a little bit. But let's say he finishes the year at High A, starts maybe next year at Double A, um, he's probably not making his major league debut next year in that case. And then you're looking at 2025 when he's going to be his age 26 season, which isn't bad, um, especially for a college bat, you know. Um, but it's just kind of like, you're looking at, at the, the upside here and I don't see him as like a huge upside bat, but I see him as someone who could come up, get a solid share of playing time. Um, and uh, he's kind of like a Nolan Jones profile. Uh, I don't know if he hits the ball as hard as Nolan Jones, but that's kind of, I think where I'm looking at is kind of mm-hmm. the the optimal outcome here. Mm-hmm. Um, And he's not like you said, Lamar. Like he's not super well known right now. Again, he's no people usually pay attention to a 24 year old at high A. Um, But I think that there's some there's some boom in the in the bat that I think could be impactful. It's just kind of like what's gonna what's he gonna how's he gonna adjust to to double A and triple A when he's
1: more age appropriate. Yeah, a couple of things that you said that that um, really stuck out first and foremost you mentioned he had a 101 wrc plus last year right yeah At Mm-hmm. and he had and what was his slugging
2: last year uh 447
1: yeah. 447 and he had an iso of 190 197 197
2: and this year it's a 259 iso 562 slug and 156 wrc plus
1: so something that i want listeners to be aware of is um because i've seen these discussions and i'm pretty sure i'm like 90 sure this is accurate so i feel comfortable enough to say it that the wrc plus numbers that we typically see and use especially for minor leagues are not like park adjusted and the california league is a like is the second it's kind of the second best hitters league to the pcl so he was in the california league putting up very good numbers like those really good slugging pretty good iso like really good not pretty pretty, like really good and he was only slightly above league average yeah because there's no park adjustment for california league so when you look at those wrc plus numbers and i know we use them as well without necessarily putting that context in but sometimes you want to keep that context in mind of like what league were they in that they're doing this <laughs> like yeah what's going it's a
2: fantastic on? point
1: so so that jumped out to me and then i went and i, I went back and looked at his college career right because we say he was older college back what was he doing in college well he's a four-year college player and one of those years was covid oh yeah so now we have some better context around why is he so much older in a in a high a uh his his freshman year he was 19 so he's already older. He's an already older player. He's freshman year. He's 19. He's not 18 or even 17, right. right? So he's an older guy just in general. So you can't really hold that against him. It's not a performance piece or a talent piece. It's just when he was born. Nothing can yeah, do about it. Right. When he was born and when he started school, nothing can do about that. Uh, played 14 games as a freshman at uh, Virginia Tech, as a true freshman. Um. Next year was he played 53 games. Um, He transferred to Kansas state. Then 2020 hits. They only play 17 games and he comes back uh to finish out what is, what is being pegged as is, is according to this site as his junior year, I guess, because of eligibility with what they did with the pandemic year uh in 2021, that ended up being his draft eligible year, played 57 games, And then that's when you see the explosion, right? Cause these first few years, I mean, the 14 games, you know, it was 14 games, 15 at bats. So like he wasn't even starting, uh, his sophomore year, 53 games, he hit, uh, eight home runs, seven doubles, stole eight bases. So you kind of see it burgeoning there, but nothing great. COVID year, 17 games, wiped that off the map. So then his draft eligible years, 57 games, um, he hits 15 home runs, 19 doubles, nine stolen bases. Uh, does get caught stealing five times, so again, those attempts, uh, uh successful attempts to overall attempts is, is a little, you know, a little wonky, but that's where are kind of seeing some of the um talent that we're talking about here. And then he gets into what you're talking about with his professional career as uh, in the minor leagues So, now of a sudden I am interested in this guy. Now of a sudden I am And and based on what we just talked about with the Rockies, if it is the old way, this is a guy who's going to be, you know, he's in high A now, finishes in high A. Next year, maybe he even starts in high A before getting moved to double A. Then he languishes in double A for a while. And then they finally move him to, like, that's the old way. The newer way is he finishes in high A. They immediately put him in double A to start next season. And if he's showing anything as far as, you know, a a repeat of these last two seasons in the minors, he's in the major league team somewhere because Blackman is pretty much like his career is coming to a close. They still have some outfield spots to to fill. Toglia has not really worked out for him. That's another bat, by the way, that is kind of in that older regime. Of like right. <laughs> we we're waiting for michael taglier for forever and ever and ever and he didn't really work out for them so like there's a potential to see like he's almost the perfect test case for how the rockies want to go because um because of everything that's going on here all this di- different context and different data here so it can go kind of either way um so yeah now i am more interested in zach kakaska uh so Thank you. This is perfect. This is, this is, I couldn't ask for this. Um, uh, one last thing that I want to, one last thing I want to look at with Kakaska, and I'm trying to pull it up real time. Um, I got stuck looking at his college uh, stats. And I want to look at one other thing, which you kind of alluded to, which is, you know, what is his actual performance, um, versus, uh, you know, level. Um, and, and so, long-time listeners should know that i um oh he was also a two-way player for a hot second hot second nah not really not really it looks like this is just mop up duty <laughs> i'm just looking at his baseball reference page and like he has like a couple of innings logged at kansas state and like really? an inning logged in the summer league so this must have just been mop-up duty from a few years ago but um Long-time listeners should know that I love going to Baseball Reference and looking at the breakdown of performance against older hitters versus younger hitters, especially when it comes to a player like this. Where, like, ah, kind of older for the level. What has he actually been doing? Um, batting splits. So against younger hitters, um, against younger hitters. Okay, uh, ten of his home runs. Is batting 301, 412 OBP, 552 slugging, uh, 964 OPS. So feasting on younger hitters or younger pitchers, excuse me, not a super surprise. 50 games and 100 play appearances against older pitchers, six home runs, five doubles, 308 batting average, 370 OBP, 582 slugging, good for 952 OPS. So not just. Okay. beating the young kids right he, he's yeah and if we take a look now some of this um again, using baseball reference so it's not all the different tidbits that we like to see breaking down, but just looking month by month, it does look like his overall season was buoyed by an extremely hot May uh where he hit the majority of his home runs. he hit nine home runs in the month of May. He hasn't hit more than three in any of the other months that they have logged, but they don't have August on here, which I don't know why. Um, but yeah, his May was super hot. Uh, nine home runs, 391, 482, 794 is what he put up in May. So a lot of the stat stuffing was done there. But if you look at everything else, I mean, April looked pretty good. June, uh, it took a bit of a dip there, came back in July. And like I said, I don't know why reference doesn't have his August numbers in there. I guess I can look elsewhere, but, um, yeah i mean this is i'm intrigued there's just enough there's there's just enough there for me to have some questions right yeah Uh, and i just found this uh this piece that
2: was done by a local news station it looks like in kansas uh, where he played um and he actually he tried to change his swing last year to be more efficient and compact short to the ball you know all the stuff that we like to talk about he tried to change his swing last year and it looked like his timing was just like off his, his kind of his hips were kind of disconnected from his hands and it was just like not working for him. This year he went back to his more college swing, Uh, college approaches a little longer. And it looks like, he, he looks so much better. Like it, they had some film of him like last year versus this year. And he looks way more like just like on time with the ball and fluid and, um, it's a little longer. Sure. But I think that I, I that's probably, I mean, that looks like to be the change that was made to kind of facilitate this. And honestly, like if it's working for him, like he might have to make some tweaks, you know, if he gets to upper levels and, um, maybe if he gets, you know, it's to tweaks to get to the high fastball or whatever it may be. Right. But, um, I think if anything has made him more uh, helps with the confidence and just kind of comfort there. So, um, so that's probably the biggest change that was made there. And honestly, it's kind of like figuring out what works for you, right? Like at the, in the minor leagues. So, um, he, the adjustments are, are being made. And, um, I think that like, like you said, like, I love that he's hitting the, the older pitchers, uh, great, even, you know, even better than, than just beating up on kind of the, the wild guys down there. So, um, so, yeah, no, I think thank you for, for backing up my uh, giving giving some more some more context, even here um, making me sound great. But um, yeah, no, I can't wait for the promotion. I'll see. See how it goes.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, with that being said, that's the show that we have kind of quick and easy. Um, same old, same old as we were winding the season down as far as articles that you're getting from us. I do know that the Dynasty team uh, overall at Pitcher List should be um putting together a nice compilation of uh, prospect lists. We have uh, Matt Heckman leading that effort and getting us all together. Uh, so I'm sure you'll hear and see more about that as we get into September um so you'll be seeing uh, some some entries from myself uh, Jake, I don't know are you are you writing yes. this as well okay so Jake I yeah, know yeah. I know Matt um, himself will will be writing in, in some of our other dynasty, uh, writers that we have so we'll talk more about that is like i said the the calendar turns to the month of september um watch list is coming uh we'll be winding that out down probably mid september i think you can probably anticipate the last watch list so we got a couple of weeks uh, like three maybe three or so weeks left uh for the watch list to be coming uh jake what about for pictures to stash do you have an end date planned for that so actually for the, for the pitchers of staff, I've
2: actually kind of started the process of, of passing it off to Matt, who's going to take it for a week or two. And then one of our new dynasty writers is going to take it for the rest of the year. And that, well, I know that'll um, be finished up in I think mid September. Um, so I think there's, there's maybe three or four more of those left, but, but I, I had to actually kind of to take myself off of that one. Cause it was I, my, my full-time job is taking a lot of my time right now and it just got to be, I think too much. I was getting a little burnt out by it. So, um, so yeah, now I'm about more focused on this podcast. I'm going to write that article for the, uh, you mentioned the, um, the overall kind of prospects to watch, um, we're going by divisions and, uh, so I'll, I'll take it. I can't remember which division I have. I think it's like NL East maybe. Um, but I'll start working on that too. But for now, minor league pitchers aren't quite my, uh, my, my expertise, I guess I still know about them, but not where I'm focusing now, I'm focusing more on the podcast and then just kind of like recovering in my in my free time from all the stress that uh, the full-time job is taken so um so yeah honestly i think that it's
1: in great hands then going forward too all right uh so yeah we'll have more uh like i said talking about the uh the effort that we have from dynasty team with our prospects um uh other than that uh oh uh last last bit we are hoping to have a special uh episode that we will bring to you to kind of end the uh, official minor league season doesn't necessarily end the or it might actually be the end to the otf season as well but um something to 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 do with our our previous guests that we've had this season so hoping to get that together um and and bring that to you in the month of September as well. So September should, should be bringing some good stuff, fall weather, uh, you know, fall, fall clothes, hopefully some lower temperatures, maybe depending on where you live and uh, some good uh, prospect dynasty stuff to, to finish us out. Uh, with that being said, as always I want to remind listeners that you can find this podcast and all of our picture list pods on the picture list network podcast page. They're all available in the podcast section of picture list to to find, listen and subscribe. You can of course find me on Twitter at inside fastball capital i capital f
2: and you can find me at jake mace m-a-i-s-h uh
1: you can also follow the podcast on what is the proper what is the proper twitter page at the uh, at pl on the farm there you go uh with that being said i hope you enjoy the rest of your day